All right, we are lit, good sir. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another episode of Cultivated Ignorance. I am Will, the host. I'm like the favorite host. Hey. And we are back on schedule. Uh... <laughs> ah, go crazy, go crazy, go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we actually did yes, it. yes, yes. We are back like we said we would be. I told y'all. We'll see what the next two weeks holds. But we're trying here. We're yeah. trying to give y'all what y'all want. And all these black and ignorant opinions. Exactly. Um, so thank y'all for everybody who's joining us in the new year. Uh, we're glad you're here. Um, yeah. If you haven't, tune into our last episode where we talked, sat down with uh, Ben Anderson, our yearly reviewer, <laughs> co reviewer. Basically. <laughs> uh, we gave our thoughts on kind of just 2022 and everything that happened. Um, also, you should check out. Oh, I'm bad, Mike. I'm bad. I don't even have it up. I know you don't. You, but but the layup, but the alley to myself was dope. <laughs> but the shot still hasn't been made. Like it's they're still in the air. As we talk, I'm I'm making it. Like I'm, the defenders don't got the ball. It's a fast break back down the court. court. Like it's 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 over with. All right. So also, if you want extra stuff. We had another dope conversation with our homie Ben Anderson. Um, but unfortunately, you can only see it through our lovely Patreon. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Very true. Yep. Patreon.com slash cultivated ignorance. Uh, we got dope exclusive shit on there. Please tune in. It's only five dollars. Only five dollars. Only five dollars. So uh, you know that. OnlyFans subscription, you cancel because, you know, the price went up. You know, well, give it to your boys. Yeah, exactly. We give cheaper than them. Yeah. And, you know, like, after you pay the $5, there's no extra messages to unlock. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> That's, <not> it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So we had a dope conversation with him on there uh, about the manosphere and how it's affecting young men who essentially just kind of live on the Internet. Um, so definitely, definitely sign up, give us your five dollars, and uh, you'll get to see more cool stuff. Give us your five dollars, don't you starting off bad already? All right, so like I said, thank you again for joining us. Uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about um, we're going to be talking about how do I want to say this? Okay, we're okay. We're gonna be talking about black moms not wanting to be moms. It's just parents in general. Don't put it all on. <laughs> He's got the word. <laughs> it's parents in general coming out saying they regret parenthood. <laughs> I love my kids, but this shit is for the birds. And just finally saying they regret parenthood. Yeah, and we're also gonna be talking about um, should black people. 
really be buying black, even though the capitalist system, which, you know, we're all, I guess, somewhat forced to be a part of, um, it still kind of puts people at the bottom in a way. You know, you're still kind of feeding into a system that makes it all efforts to put you at the bottom. Right, right. <laughs> um, so is the so is the buy black movement, you know, really good for us? Hmm. Uh, so we uh, first thing we're going to talk about is the moms not wanting to be moms. Stop putting this on mom. <laughs> Parents regretting parenthood. How about that? There you go. This conversation sparked from a a YouTube video uh, that two dope sisters with a dope podcast have. Um, podcast is oh, excuse me. Um, bad moms, good choices. Is that right? Good moms, bad choices. There you go. I was gonna say, that I'm about, I'm about to mess it up. That would be a terrible podcast, right? <laughs> good moms, bad choices. Um, and they sat down with uh, I guess Jessica Rose, and I believe she's a comedian and a few other things. And uh, she was basically expressing how, like, she kind of regretted motherhood, like, mm -hmm. she gave all these lists of reasons as to why, and this, that, and a third, and Mike brought up the question, like, what does this really do, right? <laughs> what, what, what were you saying? My question was, <laughs> I feel like parents should be able to say how they feel. And parents do say how they feel now. You yeah. hear fuck them kids conversations all the time. But, like, as far as saying it on the internet and saying, like, saying you're frustrated with your kids is one thing. Like, kids know they be being bad. But saying I regret having kids, I love my kids, but I regret having kids. Like what? What use is that? Putting that on the internet, where not only can it be easily taken out of context, but like your kids can grow up and see it, and just I don't know how it would feel if I saw my mom on a talk show saying like, "Yeah, I regret I, this. This mother shit is for the birds. I, I regret this shit, but I love my son." Like I don't know how I feel if I heard some shit like that. So like, what's the usefulness of saying it online on on big public platforms? Is my question. So what are your feelings? As a non-parent, what are your feelings? Ooh, as a proud non-parent, boy. <laughs> um, my feelings are, again, I feel like parents should be able to say what they want to say. I don't believe in telling, like, you shouldn't say, like, because I had a conversation with my mom about this. I told you, like, I, I mentioned it to her. I don't know why I mentioned it to her. Because my mom got in a tizzy. She was like, how, how could you ever regret being a parent? It's the greatest gift in the world. And she was just, like, not hearing it at all. And I was like, mom, well, they say they love their kids, but it's just like, you know, it's just so hard. Like, it's just, especially if you're a single parent, like, it's just so hard. So she started to understand. I understand the sentiment for sure. But like, again, I don't think I agree with, and I guess I'm trying to figure out the thin line between, I don't think you should say it online, but also like these parents need other people to connect with. So how, how do you make that happen if you don't put it out there like that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just want the new. I, I'm I'm okay with it as long as the, the conversation is as nuanced as possible, and there's a lot of care and sensitivity being had. Well, if this is well, if you if people were to see it as like YouTube shorts, you would get no nuance, <laughs> right, right? You know what I mean? Like the reels and shit were always pitched now, right? Um, I actually 100 percent agree with it. Really, I actually believe you know obviously you should have free speech, you should be able to say what you want, but I don't. First thing, this this show in particular, this message is not meant for children to see. First off, you know, hmm. if a kid catches a straightest, it's going to do damage. 
<laughs> it's gonna do damage. But um I think it was at least the way I took it was it was more of just a I don't want to say warning shot, but like a <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like a watch out nigga, you're gonna be nervous your whole life. <laughs> um but you know it was just a uh it was just a conversation that uh, people, it was something that people should think about because obviously, you know, your time is going to be restricted. I think people can come to grips with like, okay, well, if I'm going to be a parent, my time is going to be restricted. This, that, and the third, like I'm going to have to deal with the money aspect. And, but I don't think people think about the anxiety of like having children. Mm-hmm. Like it's even when they're like, just the anxiety of like not having them around you. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Because like as a parent, like, as a parent, I feel like a piece of me is out there in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I need that piece to be safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a certain yeah. level of nerves, anxiety, all that that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And so I completely agree with her saying it out loud. Um, And I hope even for her child in the future that they could grasp the message. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I felt like she was def- she definitely explained herself enough to where you know um it shouldn't be taken out of context it shouldn't be especially but... if it goes to an adult audience what's well, so, okay here's two questions number one is it possible to regret parenthood and still love your kids like in endlessly absolutely i think it's the not regret parenthood it's the regret having a child like being responsible for a child. See, that's what I'm saying. Can you regret being responsible for a child and still love your child? Like, and not want to give your child back? Maybe regret's the wrong word. Maybe that's the part that's not nuanced enough. Well, that's the word she's using is what I mean. Yeah. She did say if I could go back and do it again, I wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. But like, we're here now. I feel like it's just like a message to people who are thinking about it. Or people who are being irresponsible out here with sex and stuff. Like, yes, she said regret, but it's like, I wish I could have done things differently. But see, the reason I asked the, the reason I think the, the question is contradicting because there's coming to peace with something and then they're saying, I regret something. Coming to peace with it means I do wish I could have did things differently. But I have no regrets because this is what brought me to where I am now. Like I can't have if I have a regret, that means I'm still holding on to the past. Like I'm not I'm not fully at peace with it because I'm still holding on to the past. If I still regret something, I'm still holding on to this part of the past that I have not let go. And I wonder if that part that something in the past is allowing you to fully love your child in the present. I get what you're saying, but if you like I guess like if you really regretted it, wouldn't you just give them up? Like if you had an opportunity to not be a parent anymore. No, which is a, which is a, a, an available option. Is that possible? But I don't think I don't think that's necessarily true because people do things, live with regrets all the time. Like people stay in bad situations because they just don't see a way out all the time. Doesn't mean that they're cool with it. They still regret it, but they just decide they're just gonna sit here and burn. Yeah, I don't know. I I I believe you can. Okay. I mean. Like, let's say you're, I guess any little thing could cause you to regret something a little bit, right? 
But sure. does that automatically, does you attaching regret to it automatically mean you love it less in any kind of way? I think so, yes. But that doesn't mean you can't go on a journey to later on not regret it anymore. But I think so, yes. I think regret keeps you from loving something fully as long as you hold on to it, yes. Hmm. All right, we need to write that down for another show. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other. Does regret cause you to not fully love something? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Write that down. That is a, that is a good one. Like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Because, yeah, and this is mostly, you know, from just being deep in the spirituality stuff and just the personal inquiry stuff. Like, the more I go to like self inquiry, you know, inquire. I'm like, damn, I'm still holding on to this shit. Like, even with ex-girlfriends, which I thought I was, like, good on ex-girlfriends. Because I'm, like, cordial. I can at least communicate with, I would say, like, 90% of my ex-girlfriends without any issues. But the ones I can't, I'm like, damn, I still got some shit in there that I can't really appropriately um, converse with them. But the ones that I can, it's like, I can freely say, like, I still love this person. We're good. Mm -hmm. Like, it won't be any animosity. The only ones I still hold that stuff onto, I'm like, I feel like I can have a cordial conversation with, but like it's like a ticking time bomb because I'm waiting for them to say some shit that they used to say so I can just blow the fuck up. And I don't think I can be fully whole in my presence with them if I still have that. You're just an angry black man. <laughs> just angry at black woman. That's that's what we do. And you, and you need to lean into that. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, Oh, okay, the other question I was gonna ask was you said because you said kids don't need to watch this. Isn't aren't the kids like well? It depends on the age range for sure. But like, aren't the kids vital to the conversation? If this is how they feel about as a parent, like I think if the if the kids like a teenager or older, the way they can comprehend, yeah. like, are they vital to that conversation? I don't know about a teenager. I feel like an adult. Okay, like once you're going through adult shit, like you know what I mean. And there's no actual age on that, but, you know, it's not for kids. But I don't see why they need to be privy to it, like, because it does nothing for them. Like, if you don't understand the conversation that's being had, what good does it do you? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It depends on the comprehension level. But, I mean, I know some smart teenagers that could comprehend that conversation. I can know some kind of teenagers that can be like, can, they can hear their parents say, like, I don't, I will never give you back. I love you, you know, unconditionally, mm -hmm. da 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 da. But I do regret being a parent. I do know some teenagers that can comprehend that situation conversation, but you saying they don't need to hear it at all. I don't know about that. Um, maybe as an adult. I mean, no, I'm saying, like, if the kid is old enough, even if it is your own kid, they can hear it. Oh, I thought you said the kids don't need to be involved at all in that conversation. Oh, like actual children. Oh, okay. Gotcha. If their kid is a child, no. I think I, I actually, I actually think you should express those feelings. Okay. When they become an adult. Yeah. Like, if McKinsey's is ever in a situation and conversations comes up, I'll be like, McKinsey, I really did not want to be a father, <laughs> but I appreciate everything it's done for me. And I'll talk about how it's improved me and all this other stuff. But, but also, like, the restrictions is placed on me mm -hmm. in ways. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I feel like people need that honest conversation. Like, I, I agree, like, parenthood is one of the best gifts in the world. Yeah. You just, everything ain't free, though, you know. 
But you know what? Everything whole, the cost. For sure. But this whole conversation brings up the bigger point, which is that loss of a true sense of community that we don't have, like, at all. Like, most of us don't have, like, a, a village of people to help take care of a child. We might have different, like, friends that, you know, they see the kid and they play with them and jostle them a little bit and, you know, you know give a little bit of advice here and there. But, like, we don't have that true sense of, like, having a child in the neighborhood and the child can just go outside and he would know, you know, they would know all the neighbors. The neighbors know them. They, everybody's checking for the child. Everybody's watching over this kid. Like, we don't have that. Most people don't even talk to their neighbors, period. And I think that's the bigger issue is, like, we just don't have this true sense of community because not because we don't want it, but because there's a way this country got people working so damn much, doing so many things, taking so much burdens on their own that we don't feel like we have time for it. Do you think that's part of the reason people regret having kids? Oh, a thousand percent. I don't know, man. Like, it's not. <sighs> if you had more help with Mackenzie, like if you had like a village of people, not just with just looking at, you know, watching her, make sure she don't die. But I mean, like a village of people, like taking care of your whole structural well-being, you know, your whole social, your whole social economic status didn't even matter because you just had this network of people like constantly giving and you giving to them as well. Mm-hmm. To help take care of you and this kid. More, I think a lot more people would love to have kids. A thousand percent. That's probably accurate. Yeah. I don't know. I still feel like there's a sense of anxiety that comes along with having a kid because it's your responsibility to raise them to adulthood and make them a, you know, a decent product in the world. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. Like, and I, my mom grew up in Saxon Homes, like ten kids. Mm. All of them turned out pretty damn good. Mm. But like they did all have that sense of community. So like, I really it's really hard to argue against what you're saying. Mm. You know what I mean? When you have examples like that. But I don't know. I'm sure even for my grandmother, like, you know, it sure was stressful as fuck. You know? Sure, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's still <laughs> I'm sure it's still a lot. I know it's still a lot. Yeah. But I think it would just be alleviated considerably um, if people had like an actual like something to fall back on because I mean you ask the average person like me the first thing the first thing you ask us about having kids <laughs> in my mind is fucking bills it's the first thing that shoots off and it's like the that's like the least of it like yeah, that's what I'm saying right <laughs> right you selfish nigga you just selfish but it's like not only just bills but bills time like you said just the anxiety Boy, that time, boy, that time is a motherfucker. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I think, yeah, and that could be a further discussion as well. But, but yeah, I think that we should come back to that other subject of can you regret something and still love it fully? Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, what do you think? Just to put a bow on it, like, what do you think we should do? You think this movement should continue? Like, should it further? Should we get community conversations on? Niggas regretting being parents. <laughs> I mean, you should always have community conversations mm-hmm. about parenthood in general because I swear, at least in the people I know, 95% of babies is unplanned. You know what I mean? Via mistake or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think more people hearing this uh, opinion, hearing this kind of you know, life lesson learned would do people a lot of good. It would do people a lot of good. Um, 
So, but yeah, man, I, I'm I'm down for furthering the conversation, and it needs to be even more nuanced than she made it. Yeah, because I felt like she was pretty nuanced. If, if I'm being honest, I think so. Um, too. But you know, there's always these different situations and scenarios that people need to hear about. So, I agree. But yeah, we just got to get you having kids, and you'll be right in the boat with us. And do it, baby. Because like I said, the first thing I think about is like, damn, who am I going to, like, who can I even enjoy their company enough to have kids with? Like, Oh, you've met some. I've met some, but like, you know me, I'm just... Let, let, let us say, ooh, put a baby in me. <laughs> You're going to do it. You're going to do it. Listen, everyone's like, you got to find you a lady that knows that like, when you have a sex... Just say like I'm about to bust inside you, but neither you know both of y'all know it ain't serious. But you got to know like you got to find somebody who let you say that to them, and then they turn them on, <laughs> and still let you pull out. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got to know they got to know the rules. Me, but I'm loose off in that motherfucker. Well, evidently <laughs> we have we have proof. All right, um, yeah, wrap it up, <laughs> please. Oh. Twice. Don't worry right. about feeling nothing. Just don't have babies. So, one of Mike's favorite artists of all time, one of his favorite, I guess she's an abolitionist, right? Yeah, pretty much. I don't know if she self-proclaims that, but she promotes abolition for sure. Yeah. Um, She brought up the topic of is Black-owned, let me see how she said it. Should black ownership be celebrated if it perpetuates black exploitation? And this is all in a, a Instagram post. You can see it on her page. Um, okay. Should I read this whole thing, Mike? I think so. To put it in the proper context. So okay. Misquoted. So all this comes from uh, No Name, the rapper uh, slash abolitionist slash whatever. Uh, you can catch her on Instagram. Like this. <laughs> I was trying to figure out one more thing to say, and none of it was positive. So. She be lighting niggas up on the internet. She <laughs> do. She come up over your ass. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, you can catch her on Instagram at no name hiding. So uh the post begins, I'm sorry, but black owned isn't liberation, isn't the liberation we think it is. Over the past, you know, excuse me, I'm sorry. I forgot I'm in studios. <laughs> over the past, over the last few years, black people have dealt with economic crisis environmental devastation, racist, state violence, a global pandemic, et cetera. Despite this, many Black-owned businesses have experienced a renewed interest from consumers. We want Blackness, a commodity that was consistent under plantation economy, bought and sold to the highest bidder. In this current stage in human history, we have bended to new rules of capitalism. No longer is Blackness something to be commodified and owned exclusively by a wealthy capitalist class. We can all have a piece. Black American culture is one of the biggest exports this country has. Our art, music, dance, ideas, et cetera, create billions for TikTok, Twitter, Warner, Disney, and unfortunately, this list is almost endless. It makes sense that we as Black people would see this exploitive, exploitative dynamic and naturally want to change it. Shouldn't we be the ones who profit most for our, from our culture? The answer should be an immediate resounding yes, but I'm struggling to get there. For me, Black culture under ideal non-capitalist circumstances, should be able to exist without the pressure or desire to profit from it. Unfortunately, our society is framed around workers and owners, and this social contract has negatively impacted Black communities the most. 
My issue with this black owned, my issue with black owned is that it replicates the same capitalist business practices as any other business. The owners make all the decisions and profit while the workers work. Sound familiar? Should black ownership be celebrated if it perpetuates black exploitation? Her opinion, no owner of any business is able to make a profit without the labor of many others. This hierarchy of owner over worker needs to stop. It's rooted in egoism and white conditioning. Please let it go. Next time you see black owned, ask if it is collectively owned. Ask what they consider becoming a worker cooperative. The only difference between a white owned business and a black owned business is that one of them is branded as liberation. Until we as black folks practice radical unity in all aspects of life, including business, we will never be free. Not with the shits at all, whatsoever. Um, you you no, you got it. So, my first thoughts were, I agreed with the sentiment, of course. Like, because people do, black people do be trying to like LLC them. You know the way. What is it? What is the quote? We can't LLC. What is this? I've heard you say this like for a few years now. Like they be trying to LLC their way, or everybody want to open up an LLC. Because that's what people do. That's what that's what the first thing people tell you as soon as they see, they, as soon as you talk about poverty, the first thing they say is start a business, um, you know, generational wealth, blah blah blah, which is all cool, which is all great, but um, but I mean, you know, black capitalism is still just you know capitalism and blackface. That's at the end of the day. Again, it has its pluses, of course. I'm not going to ignore the pluses, but it's still capitalism and it's still exploitation, like she said. So, like, I agree with everything she's saying. I do think like two things. I do think, and I've been guilty of this in the past. You know, for me, you going back and forth. I do think she's like kind of overlooking, at least in the post, anyway. She's overlooking the benefits of this, like you know, the reformist movements of just you know accumulating accumulating wealth while we're here. I don't want to discount that at all. Like, if people are giving themselves opportunities and their friends and <clears throat> opportunities, I don't want to you know, I like that's not helpful at all. Yeah. Um. But also, if you're talking about black abolition, basically, that's still very limited. Because for me, like abolition is about releasing all these identities. Um, and when blackness was something that was created to be commodified and exploited, you know, at its foundation, can you have black abolition abolition without those same rules playing, you know, in play? I don't think you can. I think you have to be willing to release all these things, have a completely new society, a whole cultural revolution. And that's what we keep coming back to. Are black people willing to let go of these black identities to get the way we say we want to be? I don't know. <laughs> so I think what she's saying is still limited in that way. Yeah. But like, I get it. Like, yeah, people do be think, acting like owning the business is the end all be all. And that ain't it. Yeah. I mean, me myself, like, I get what she's saying. But I'm more of the mindset, like, get it while you're here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, you always hear that uh, statistic about like how soon the black dollar leaves the community. Mm -hmm. It's some ridiculous number. But it's like six seconds or something like that. Yeah, it's something ridiculous. Like, <laughs> so like, I mean, if we can keep that, you know, I really do. I really want us to. It's so hard for me to figure out how we go to a different system. 
because literally all I can envision is us getting better in this system. <laughs> He's like, Steve Harvey. Like, I can't even imagine a new system. <laughs> this is all I've ever known. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And you know the crazy part is like I've I've never like really read up on communism or whatever, but I imagine that communism still somehow looks a little bit like this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know what I mean? Like it's just the fact that like when you've never seen anything else, yeah, it's hard to imagine just anything. So do you get people's points when they're trying to just get you to see that the only reason we're so deeply invested in this is because I heard a percent of, I heard a percent understand. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's hilarious that you said about communism because it's like the original con like OG communism is like complete opposite. And we're not talking about like, you know, Russia or nothing like that. We're talking about like OG just community, like she said, community owned, community voted on, mm-hmm. like for the betterment of the people, society, which is completely see, different. See, I imagine communism is Everybody works. Very few get rich, and a lot of handouts. <laughs> Capitalism two point basically. Little, little <laughs> Capitalism with a little bit of here you go, a little bit of extra. I yeah. yeah, yeah. But how do you feel about her still holding on to this like black, radically black society? when we know what blackness works as and it's supposed to work for and I 100% agree with you if we're gonna if we're gonna move to a new system we gotta get we gotta not be black somehow I was saying because because black in the world is meant to be at the bottom like it's structurally designed for it to be at the bottom and Mexicans y'all close and everybody else, <laughs> all y'all non-whites, just <laughs> just filter yourself in, and we'll figure out the hierarchy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, if if we're really going to truly move to a new system where black people are not at the bottom, we have to cease to be black people. That's that's my philosophy, man. That's my philosophy, and I do want to say, like I said, I was guilty of this before too. Um, but it's so interesting that she does not see the like, <laughs> or trying to do the best they can with what they have now, because part of the reason she stopped doing music was because like black audiences weren't supporting her like that, like weren't spending money to come see her at shows, and so it's like the very thing that would have kept her doing music is the thing that it feels like she's fighting against now, or they're speaking out against. I don't know about fighting, but they're speaking out against it now. Yeah. When if like black audiences were buying more tickets to her shows, like we'd still be getting new no name albums. Was it the uh, so I've always wondered this, and I think you know I think Hove has talked about it a little bit and Dave Chappelle, and I think basically Jay Z said like essentially if you build it they will come right. Like why do you only see white people at your shows now? Mm-hmm. Is that the third? Like is it that artists are pricing themselves out of it, or is it? You know what I mean? Because essentially, like, you know, a lot of your core fans, they've been with you since the beginning. Mm. Maybe their money just didn't come up with yours. You know what I mean? But was no name tickets crazy like that? I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I found it like. still had $25 tickets out here? (laughs) I don't think she, I never went to a show. I want want to go to a show. I never, I don't think her tickets were out here like that. 
I think it's a myriad of reasons. I think more than anything, when you look shouldn't at her last be, album. Shouldn't you be happy taking the white dollar? I believe that you can feel... Oh, so, okay, I believe in work with what you got to get to where you need to be, right? That's what mm-hmm. I believe in. So if I'm getting... Like, I, we get white dollars. Like, you know how much I talk about abolition on this show, but I get yeah. white dollars every day at my job. I'm not anti-white or anything like that. It's just I believe in a different society. But, like, I'm not going to... I'm not about to quit my job and just wait on abolition, even though there's already things happening. Um, I'm going to use this to get where I need to go. So I believe in, like, I'm going to take this to put out even more black music. Because her last album was black as fuck. Like, it was super... It was spicy black, too. It wasn't just, like, <laughs> you know, fun revolution album like she was saying some shit even though it was very catchy stick she was saying some shit so like if i can just take these people's money to keep putting out stuff like this but i also feel like if it's bothering you that bad to be talking to black and black shit and you see a bunch of white faces saying nigga in the crowd because you know they're saying it <laughs> like i get it it's, it's up to her discretion i guess yeah i would use it but i don't know i think she's only, i think she's a little too locked in on we need to fully get away from the system. Like, <laughs> we can progress in this system. And for y'all that want to get rid of it, you know, we can work on that too. <laughs> but I will say, because, you know, you were a reformist, and I don't know if you, y'all you fully get this. It is very hard. That's part of the journey. It's very hard. When you can only vision people just doing the same thing over and over again, it's very hard not to accept that we can't just get there because y'all want to stay here so bad and y'all enjoy yourself there so much. Yeah. Very no, hard I, to just... Do you... So like, let's say, like, right, you're trying to start up a new society, right? Mm-hmm. Start up a whole new way of, you know, I don't want to say government, but just economics or whatever, you know. Get rid of capitalism. But you still got your job. Are you fooling yourself? Like, if you're investing in this society while, say, you want to create another society, like, is are you fooling yourself in a way? I don't think so. If you know the truth and you know this is a process, like a cultural revolution, which I think is needed before any type of revolution, in the cultural revolution first, is needed before anything, that is a process. You're not going to do that within a year, five years, 10 years, 50 years. That is a whole, that's a whole, like, Let's rethink the way we do it in our day-to-day lives, not just politically, socially. In our in ourselves, like how let's relook how we look at ourselves. That is an entire intergenerational process that I cannot expect to see in my lifetime. I would love to see it in my lifetime, but I can't expect to see it in my lifetime. So knowing that's a process and doing whatever I can to help that process along, like, no, I don't think I think you can come to peace with that and just do what you got to do to live the happy life that you still deserve. Because I don't think you deserve to be miserable and just enraged all the time. Yeah. You know, the Baldwin quote, which is the, to be conscious is to be in a constant state of rage. Um, I think that's part of why he was so fucking Baldwin depressed as fuck, because that's all he thought about. And for me, like, I love Baldwin, but I can't do that because I love myself too. Like, I, can't, I love my mental state too much to just yeah. be constantly mad at every day, wake up the structural violence and just be angry all day. I can't, I can't do that to myself. You know what I mean? So I think you can know the truth. Know it's a process. You're doing what you can. Things are going to work out the way they're going to work out. And I think, and this is like, this is the hardest thing that, that I think people have to do, in my opinion now, but I think this is very vital. You have to know that everybody has their role 
in this thing called life. So you need people to be like anti-abolition because you need people to be pro-abolition. So we can all just continue to work out human evolution in general, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, like, if everybody was straight one way, everybody's straight another way, like, we would still have, like, extreme issues, just like with people's issues with social justice warriors being extreme positivity, 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 no negative feelings, safe space, safe space. Like, you can't have yeah. a society like that. This is, just, this is not, it's not sustainable. So if you once you realize we need each other, and you just got to play your part and do what you can. Yeah. I think you come to peace. But I think no name is it that, like, she's at the uphill part of, like, now nah, burn the shit down because, like, we can't wait. <laughs> like, we got to do it now. And I think you come to a point of peace in your life. Like, Angela Davis is the perfect example where Angela Davis is still an abolitionist, but she's not, like, as radical as she used to be. Like, she's no, she's an older woman. She needs to enjoy her life. Like, she, yeah. she's going to do her thing. Hopefully that makes sense. I don't know if I was just talking about it. Makes sense to me, cuz. So you on board? You good? You you with it? Makes sense. No, I'm with it though. <laughs> well, did her thing like make you rethink? Um like how it, you- it, it it made me rethink uh the the pitch of Bob Black. Mm-hmm. It did make me rethink it, but I still am with it because we got to get more. We have to profit off of ourselves somehow. Mm-hmm. We we need to create wealth instead of letting our money go out to white people. <laughs> I was I was gonna say the masses, but then I was white people. <laughs> well, it's the masses, and that's what she. That's what's so interesting that she said that blackness should. Be, she essentially said blackness should only be profitable by black people, and I was like. But this is made to be profitable for everybody. Like black people yeah. had, I don't know how many black people had slaves back in the day, but you know, black people owned property even during slave time. Black people had slaves. <clears throat> that's it. That's just doing what it's supposed to do. <laughs> so it's working. It's working exactly as it's supposed to. <clears throat> yeah. Um. I don't know, man. Do you think? <laughs> Sorry, nigga, I'm smoking on that loud. I see, uh, I see <laughs> Do you think it really matters to buy black? Like, because essentially, like, if you think about it, one level is profiting off of black people, right? If you buy black, just one level, just the owner of that business, right? Mm-hmm. But right after that, it goes right back out to the world. You know what I mean? So, like, does it really matter even if we do buy black or are? Because that's the, I guess, the issue I have. Like, if only one level of person profits off of me in a good way, like not in a bad way, mm-hmm. but then he goes and, you know, his suppliers are all Chinese and you know, marketing is all white and Facebook and all this other shit. Like, does it really matter? Or are we just paying, unfortunately, when you buy black, I I feel like, or the, there is a, there's a stigma of, of it being higher priced. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Definitely. So, or, or am I just paying 10, 15, 20% more for nothing? <laughs> that's definitely a stigma. Like the higher price and lower quality, that's definitely the stigma, I think. 
I don't know about the lower quality. I'm not gonna put that on it, but the higher I price, I feel like it's a real thing. I don't well, I don't, I, well see, I don't even put the higher price, the higher price on it because I know I know that it takes money to start. Like if you at the bottom, like if you, even if you like five years deep, like you still <laughs> most businesses fail within the first five years. So you still yeah. on the up, you know, trying to climb. So but to your question, I would argue that's how progress happens. Like Black people were in a better position than we were in the 1600s, you know, in 1700s and 1800s. Like, it's like Frank Wilderson said on the show, like, even though he's an Afro-pessimist, like, things with reform, reform get a little bit better. And I think that yeah. I'm learning to appreciate that a little bit better. Like, I don't want to discount that a little bit better anymore. Because, you know, I used to be like, man, fuck that shit. Like, but <laughs> I want to appreciate it. Still down and out, nigga. We still, <laughs> we still black. <laughs> but, like, I want to appreciate that a little bit better because that does it is significant. And I see people again, I see people going out of their way to have as good business business ethics as possible. Yeah. By the black owners. Like and you know, I, you know, I I'm a big for Harriet fan. I think Kim is a great um example of someone who pays her employees well. Whenever she reaches out to her community for like input for like a little like one off job, she pays people well. She doesn't try to get off on people. Just, you know, I'm going to be on the platform for free just because I'm big. Like, I see a lot of people doing stuff like that. So I think it still matters, man. I think it's important to see the bigger picture, but it still matters. Like, I don't want to discount that. Yeah. And, and I feel like you feel the same way because you, like, I remember we were going back and forth real hard with the whole Steve Harvey um, on your leisure um, conversation. I feel like you were mainly trying to get me to understand, like, the value of him as hypercapitalist as it is, the value and advice he's giving, yeah, that's beneficial to some people. No, I do, I I do believe it. I just, you know, I think we all just need to think about things. That's all. Yeah, so. I agree, man. I wish, I wish social media was was really meant to be a platform to have real discussions. That's what I wish. It's not. It will be so. Imagine if you could have. Like, you know, we have, like, a really good kickback conversation. Like, after the party, like, it's the initial, like, you know, spades drinking, da-da-da-da-da. And then, like, the die-down happens. And the niggas who are just, like, left hanging around just have, like, a really good conversation. Yeah. I wish that was social media of, like, after some hoopla happens, we can just actually have a good ground tape. Which you do have some once in a blue moon, but for the most part, you don't. Like, a good, just, like, meaty round table of ideas. And even if nobody changes their minds, like... People just understand each other better than just getting on the internet and just. That's man, I tell you, like over Facebook, over Instagram, whatever that little chat room joint is, Mike. What what's it called? The uh, chat room joint, the app, the app, the chat. Oh, you talking about um? Oh, you talking about oh God, uh, Clubhouse. That's really what it could have been. Yes, yeah, that was supposed to be. It was so perfect. It was so perfect for that. It really was, and it's not <laughs> at all. Oh, <laughs> no, not at all. It is so disappointing. Like I check in the clubhouse now and then just to look at some mess, just to see what niggas is messing about, and so disappointing. When that whole Lori, Lori, uh, Tori, and fucking Meg shit was full on every room was just toxic as fuck was it every single one wow it's disappointing man but yeah man we should get um 
I want to reach out to No Name. See if we can get on the show, man. Well, that'd be good. That'd be that'd be super dope. Yeah. Just watching, we had a guest anyway. So, <laughs> No Name, if you're watching, come through. Tell us why we're wrong. It'd be perfect since we don't have any money. You'll be <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> You'll be with it. You practice social socialism that you love so much. <laughs> All right, man, let's get to this Thursday of the week, Mike. Who do you have? Um, If you want to put on the screen, I can put it What? Oh, did you put it? I can't see. Oh, oh fantastic. Look at you. Oh, now it, now it blocked up my screen. All right. What we <laughs> have is Ariana Brown, who is a super, super dope um poet, a black Mexican-American poet, to be exact, with uh, 13 years of experience writing, performing, and teaching poetry. She offers a list of services for college events, poetry slams, and local organizations. Her work focuses on Black relationality, queer kinship, and imagining a world where Black girls are free as fuck. She is currently accepting requests to do commissions and virtual events, so check her up on that. And I would definitely suggest that because she does this thing. I've hit her up before. She's, she does these like weekly poetry prompts. The prompts be fire, son. The prompts be so fucking fire. Are they? They're so great. And and she offers that you know you tell her if you did any stuff and she just gives you some positive feedback like it's so dope. So definitely check out uh, arianabrown.com, book her for an artist talk, uh, writing workshop, commission writing, poetry performances. She's a great performer too. Like Will, you might actually like her because I know you be hating on the poetry niggas. Uh, she's bro. Super- it's all about it's, it's it's all about skill and it's all about skill. This skill in the writing poetry, you know that, right? That's the. Not the stuff I've seen. <laughs> I don't know if she does erotic poetry, but she does like we're, gonna, we're just going we're just gonna rhyme sexy words together. <laughs> I would put you on. You like um Ed Mabry's erotic poetry, don't you? Who? Ed Mabry. You love him, Ed Mabry. Ed Mabry. Yeah, because he's skilled. <laughs> well, who else is skilled is Ariana Brown. Uh please check her out. She's super dope. Hella cute, as you can see. Um, just a great person. My dick so thick. What queen? What you riding all night with it? It's not even rhyming. I bust in your face. What a disgrace! I've heard, I've heard some shit like that before. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, that's the problem with riding poetry. Is it become for like regular open mic? It's become like how outrageous can I get? <laughs> the most. It's like um shock shock comedy. I feel the same about stand up comedy. Like <clears throat> niggas just want to just like appall the crowd into laughter. Versus you know, actually, Mike, I know you would never do this, but we should review the worst YouTube erotic poetry. Oh God! I know you would never talk about an artist's work like that. I wouldn't, because but I would. <laughs> Go ahead, and do it, man. I'll mute my mic. But again, yeah. someone who's a great poet is Ariana Brown. Please check her out. Um, oh, Instagram is Ariana at, at Ariana, the poet. Bam. Yes. Super great. Super, super great. All right, man. I think that's it. Any final thoughts on capitalism and being a terrible parent? Uh, no, sir. <laughs> uh, just watch who you're sticking your dick into or your, or, or who you're giving your badge to. Or your strap. That's something can happen with that, too. You can't get pregnant from a strap. I, this is 2023. Things will happen. <laughs> It's gonna have like ejaculate already in it. They have stuff like that. I don't know if it's like real sperm, but they, they have shooting straps. 
Yeah, I know that, but like I you I mean, I don't think real chromosome babies can shoot out. I can survive. assure you, there's some couple out there that wants the realest like experience possible and they hit the sperm bank up and they fill it up and then they have sex. <clears throat> sperm has to be at a certain temperature. Like it's gonna be a heated strap. So that the <laughs> nah son. As someone who buys sex toys, I'm sure it sure it exists. Like I'm sure I gotta use my gift card. My little Nancy's gift card. What you gonna use on butt plugs? Huh? You use a butt plugs? Butt plugs lit. You gonna get butt plugs? No, we already got butt plugs. No, plural. Okay. (laughs) What you gonna do? I'm gonna do a little ball gag joint. (laughs) I can't even see you doing some BDMS shit like (laughs) that. See, why would you? Why would you? That's gay. <laughs> Why'd you say it like Riley? Oh, see, I say like, it like a nigga from New York that's like real uptight about his sexuality. Right. Seeing Terrence have to be a mistress or some shit—that's fucking funny. That would be funny. She would not be serious at all. Why not be her like hitting like she was just waiting on that shit the whole time <laughs> for you to break it out? Yeah, just beat the shit out of you. Um, yeah, man, come back on the show. Let us know what you bought it, um, what you spent. I gave, we had a, a secret, what is a, what do we call it, gift card exchange? You're saying a, uh, I'm sorry, a white elephant gift card. Yeah, there you go. And I bought a gift card to the sex store and Will picked it. So you got to give people an update on what you got. Um, I really want to have a sex, I know they don't have another sex episode. Um, you got to do something with that because... I keep saying it's not enough like male sensuality spaces online. And no, it's not. Like at all. So anyway, we'll see what he bought. Thank y'all for joining us. Um we're gonna be consistent, y'all. We was doing it. We're doing it. We're gonna be remain consistent. And yeah, we love <laughs> you're not Usher. Even though you got you got the, the Usher straight head. Y'all got the same straight head going. All right. Y'all hold it down. Peace. Peace. <laughs>